This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I was sitting, we were standing a few minutes and reminiscing about some of the Talmidim from Shalabim that have come to Washington and back. And, and I think, I, so there is a common denominator, and I think if I can put a finger on it, I'd like to use a lotion that the Gemara uses halachically. There are two types of wet things. There's something called tofeach, something is wet, and it's tofeach al naslat fiach, or something is wet enough that it gets your hands wet when you touch it. It's two different madrasas, patuma and other things that's relevant for. And if I can think, the, the, the people that come to mind from Shalabim, their Yiddishkeit, their being ben Torah, are contagious. Um, somehow there's one boy who just got married, uh, he'd been here a few years ago, and uh, this was his third or fourth year by us, I don't remember, and he is a person that when people stick to him, they get turned on themselves from him. And it's a tremendous madrega. It's a world of difference if you're a good Jew or if you're somebody that radiates it in a way that affects other people. And I guess it's something that's a tchunet that Shiva gives over a certain, um, a, a certain strength and a certain depth that you can radiate the avasatar to other people. And uh, I would, uh, you'd be well advised to get as much of it as you can, and each and every one of you, you should develop yourself and become the of what you are and who you are. I'd like to talk about a topic that is kind of a little bit on the deep side, and I'd like to explain it in ways, I guess that we could deal with it a little bit, understand it, and find out how relevant it is. The, 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 in the overall parashias and shmos and ve'era, tulmat and Torah, besides the golas and the gula, there's another process going on, which ve'era points at. Akadosh Baruch Hu starts the 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 our understanding of Akadosh Baruch Hu starts with the name Elokim. That's how we perceive Akadosh Baruch Hu, Elokim. As we move towards Har Sinai. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is finally Megala himself as Yud Kei Vav Kei. Um, it says in Rashi later on that had the Mechari from Megadev in Bamidbar know Shem Hashem because he heard it at Har Sinai. That's where you heard this Shem HaMaforosh. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said Anochi Hashem Elokecha is we finally understood HaKadosh Baruch Hu as Yud Kei Vav Kei and the obvious Related to Hakadosh Baruch they knew the name, but they related to Hakadosh Baruch in terms of Elokim. The distinction has um, Elokim is Midas Adin, Yudkei Vavkei Misrachim, but but it is, it's a much greater difference, and I and I'd like to understand it in its full difference. One more point about understanding these things: um, if mystical remains mystical, I don't see a particular point in it. In other words. Um, if you can't describe it in terms and understandings that are meaningful to us, 
then leave it for the people that it is meaningful. Torah is Torah is I'd like to understand it in a way that we have some shaykhs to it, that we really can relate to it, and, um, and, and get something out of this big change. This is a great change. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is changing how he projects himself to the world from Akim to Yudke Vavke. First thing is, where does that change occur? In other words, if I needed to point out a Pasuk, where is that change beginning to happen? It blossoms fully in Har Sinai. But where is it beginning to change? So, Moshe Rabbeinu sees the snare. And Moshe Rabbeinu um, begins to have this dialogue with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's, it's um, Elohim. Now, the, uh, it says, uh, the, 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 the back and forth is all with the name Elohim. It says Hashem also, but this is Hashem speaking. But when he's talking about, um, when he's using, he's describing himself, describing Elohim. Vayomu Moshe Hashem be Hashem lo ish tvarim anochi gam itmol gam shulshom kvad per vekvad loshen anochi vayom Hashem elov misom per laadam who's given a person a mouth or miyosum ilain who's given a person who's made a person dumb or cheresh or deaf or pikeach or seeing or either or blind halo anochi Hashem. It seems, this is the first, the phrase Anochi Hashem is Anochi Hashem Elokecha. That's where HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes himself as Havaya. And here HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes himself Anochi Hashem. From the beginning of the conversation, which is Vayikra Elov Elokim Mitoch Hasneh Kiyori Mehabit El Elokim HaKadosh Baruch Hu has finally introduced himself as Anochi Hashem. And the word it, the Anoch Hashem is clearly the beginning of Anoch Hashem Al-Kecha. Why at this point in the dialogue? This is the turning point in a certain sense where HaKadosh Baruch Hu begins to appear as such. So w- what's happened over here? I'd like to mention two questions on the issue itself, on, on, the, on the dialogue itself that the Rishonim ask. Uh, specifically, the Ran asks it, but other Rishonim will ask as well. They're, they're quite apparent, and the and the, the, they're more local questions, but they're important in understanding the Indian. Akharish Baruch Hu says to him, "Mi some peladam, who gave a person a mouth, or mi yosum ilemo, who makes a person dumb." That that phrase is logically incorrect. It's like if I walk into a room and I say, who put the light on? That I understand. But if nobody put the light on and it's dark, I don't say who put the darkness in. It's a negative. There's one thing that requires an act, and there's one thing that's an absence of an act. So we can say, who lit the light? That's a good question. But who didn't light the light? Or who made darkness? That's not a very, very correct term. It actually is relevant to us every day in Davening. We say HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Yotzer Or Uvore Choshech. What does it mean HaKadosh Baruch creates darkness? HaKadosh Baruch chooses when to create light. But what does it mean HaKadosh Baruch creates darkness? So one Teretz is, a Teretz in Pshat, which the Ran says, and, and I think the Kolbo, if I'm not mistaken, says it in Davening, that 
it's what's called in Hebrew Beloshen Hash Allah. It's a metaphor. It's it's you know it's like when I want to say nobody if, if everybody walked by and nobody put the light on outside, I say you've made this place dark. It's a metaphor and in grammar it stands correct. and that's fine. That's a grammatical terrace and but fine as such. A second question is the Ran asks this in Drosha Saran. There's a sefer from the Ran on Chumash. I don't know if you're familiar or not. A very, very important sefer called Drosha Saran. It is written from the same Ran that you find in the back of your Gemara. Um, it is a sefer that today is not so popular because it's not written in soundbite form. You actually have to learn through a whole shtickle. He tends to give deep uh, yesodos and he tends to flesh it out with a lot of nakudos. But it's a very important and very, very fundamental work. And the Ram says, asks a, a, a question on, about Moshe Rabbeinu's abilities and so on. It says that a Navi is supposed to have a whole bunch of um, characteristics. He says he's supposed to be strong, he's supposed to be wealthy, he's supposed to be smart. Machlok is Rishonim if it's literally strong or Kovish Yitzro, but he needs a lot of qualities. And the reason is very simple. You're putting a Navi down, he's going to tell people, Tvar Hashem, you want it to be miskabel. And just like the Chinuch says about a Kohen, a Kohen you can't have someone who is Balmum, because he is going to, it's going to be Mavaz at Tvar Hashem. And people are going to look at it and say, ah, this person is a Balmum. It takes away from the luster of it. So the person needs to be presentable, and the person needs to be someone who is of, um, who's got the way to present himself. So there are a lot of nice qualities that we expect to have from a, a Navi. But the most important one, if we were to ask you what's the most important quality, we have to answer speech. A Navi is called Nivs Fasayim. He's God's spokesman. So if I ask somebody, I've got a great spokesman for you. He is a man of integrity, impeccable education, everything like that. Yeah, but that's one small fault. He, he can't speak. He, he stutters. You know, he's a great spokesman, but he's got all the qualities. You, you look at the person, laugh or, or cry, depending on whether he was serious or not. You, 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 what does it mean? You take a spokesman, somebody who stutters, you know, all the other qualities are nice qualities. I think Develp knows there's a, there's a, a famous anecdote about Reb Chaim Brisker. They asked, somebody asked to describe Reb Chaim's Derech Halimut for people that are not learned. What did Reb Chaim accomplish? So there's an anecdote, I, I doubt that it's true, but like all anecdotes are great stories. And the story goes as follows. That they were looking for a chazan and brisk. And there were two candidates. Shacharach says there are ten qualities for a chazan. He's supposed to be God-fearing, and he's supposed to have troubles and problems, and he's supposed to be over 30, he's supposed to have a beard, etc., etc. And he's supposed to have a very good voice. So they had, one chazan had nine of the ten qualities, everything but the voice. And the other chazan had one quality, he had the voice. So they came to ask Reb Chaim, the Rav, which of the, what should we take? They say it's nine to one. He's got nine qualities, he has one quality. So he said, you take the one with the nice voice. So they asked him, but it's nine to one. So he said, those are qualities. This is the essence of a chazan. In other words, a voice is the chazan. The other ones are embellishments, they're qualities. In other words, Rebchaim taught us to distinguish between the essence and the periphery or the additional, uh, etc. So, a Navi is supposed to say the Dvar Hashem. 
where is it? What's happening over here? How come he doesn't? Uh, how come he can't speak? I want to say what the Ran answers as a local teretz. He says a teretz that's a yisod stam. It's a good yisod. But what I'm really aiming at is at a bigger picture, which I'm going to speak about soon. The terrorist that he says for this Indian is as follows. You sometimes have people that rouse up. Hitler took an entire nation and was able to, however bad or good they were, he was able to make monsters out of them. And his ability, his rhetoric, did a lot of it. So we look back in history and we say, how was he able to do what he did? One of the answers will be, he had the ability to incite people with speech. Um, so when we look back and we say, how did he influence them? We say he incited people with speech, with, with, his, with his speech. It was a, unfortunately, he had a demagogic qualities and he was able to do it. We look back and one of our most fundamental proofs for the Emes of Torah is that a few million people sat and listened to a person who said, this is Emes, this is Torah, and so on and so forth. How could it be they didn't give him an argument? And we could say, very simple, he had a tremendous koach hadibur, and was able to, um, you know, he just could sway a mass, like, like, like Hitler could do it, like you have Arab leaders that are extremely good at rousing up mobs, and that's how you do it. Moshe Rabbeinu was stuttered. He couldn't speak, and yet we listened because it was Emes there. And, the, and that's a, a very powerful proof that it's the Emes of Torah that did it. The reason why people listened to him was because of Emes. Many of the Dolom that I still remember were not... Uh, Rebar and Kotler, I remember vaguely as a child, I heard him speak maybe once, and I heard tapes. Um, Moshe Feinstein. They, they were actually... Chazanish uh, and Biskarov by reputation. They actually were horrendously unable to speak, and yet people stood in awe of every word because it was Emes. You, you felt it was Emes, and, and you were macabre to Emes despite the fact that they were not speakers in any stretch of the imagination. So Duran's point is, this is, a, this is done to convey the Amitososal Torah. He needed not to be able to speak so that we know that we listened to it because it was Emes. That's a, a local terrorist for this parasha, and, and I wanted, I'm going to use it later on to address a much larger issue. Let's go, let's go back again to the issue of Elohim and Hashem and, and, uh, and understand the distinction. There's a Rashi in the beginning of Bracious that's a very strange Rashi. The Pasuk says, so Choshech, we know what it is. Tohom, we know what it is. Tovavo, not very clear words. I mean, there's a modern Hebrew, um, there's a modern Hebrew meaning for it, which is, I guess, whatever is an Aza today is Tovavo. You know, it it's means uh, Balagan. I guess that's the that's the translation of it. But what does Tovavo mean in Chumash? So Rashi says Tohu. So Bohu is Lashon Reikus Fitzido in, in Aramaic. It's emptiness. Okay. Tohu. It is a perplexing, a perplexing type of emptiness. It's so empty 
that people wonder and ask, where does all the emptiness come from? That's the way Rashi explains two very critical words, Tov Avo. What does that mean? What does it mean people wonder why it's empty? Imagine this building, beautiful building. They finished building it, the Kablan builds it um, well, and it does everything it's supposed to do, and the Hanhala walks in, and they say, why is it so empty here? What do you mean, why is it so empty? Because you didn't buy furniture. What do you mean, why is it so empty? I built the building. It's, uh, you know, you, you got the marble you wanted. You got the lights you wanted. Everything. What do you mean, why is it empty? I could have created a world with nothing in it. It's empty. Fine. That's, that's, a good, that's a good description. But it is so vexingly empty, so perplexingly empty, that people are astonished at how empty it could be. What do you mean you're astonished how empty it could be? If, if you don't have money to buy the furniture, it's going to be very empty. But what does it mean? It doesn't, I don't know what the words mean. It's a Rashi's tamua. It's, it's very perplexing. So, so let's give a, a marshal a little bit, and then we'll try to explain it in, in terms of, of, of debris and so on. But let's take an example. I have a house. Some, some parts of the house are nicer, some parts of the house are not so nice. You know, everyone's house got their little closets and skeletons and etc. And there's a spot in the basement that's kind of looks like it's not been painted, fallen apart and so on. So someone goes through the house and he sees that part of the basement. So he says to himself, well, you know, oversight, they ran out of money, they ran out of time, the, the, the painter ran out, you know, something, you know, whatever it is, it's an oversight, it's a lack, it's missing, etc. Plausible explanation. Somebody is touring the Metropolitan Museum of Art. The showcase art of, uh, or National Gallery of Art, now that I'm Washington, I have to plug Washington. Uh, National Gallery of Arts, a Smithsonian. And you have a place that has been endowed with hundreds of millions of dollars. And every, this room is, is Rembrandt, this room is Monet, this room is this, and every room's got... You come to one spot in the center, and there is no paint on the walls and no light in the ceiling. So... Do you say, oh, it's an oversight, they forgot to paint the spot, they ran out of money, they, 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 they painted the his job? You would probably say the following. Um, what is it trying to do here? They're trying to sort of break up two different periods. They're trying to put you into some sort of mood of desolation, and it's, it's supposed to be a backdrop for something else. We're going, I'm going to sit and look and stand at, at, at it and stare at it until I say no. This, there's, been, there's been something put here. Something's been thrust here. The lack of paint has been put here in order to give me some sort of message. I'm, I'm being given a message by what's not there. Let's go and understand the difference between Lokim and Havaya um, in mentally, psychologically, and, and, and begin to understand what that, what that change was. A guy, a from guy, a secular person, looks around at the world and says, what a great universe. There must be somebody pulling strings here. There must be an all-powerful God. That concept is Elohim. Elohim means the all-powerful one, the almighty one. Every single person who has seichel and a heart is expected to believe in Elohim. Because the magnificence and the greatness of what there is in the universe demands that there is a creator, there is someone that's pulling strings, etc. and so on. All the inyanim of emuna as we process them and as we understand them. 
That's a lokim. And that's expected as a level that every cognizant human being is expected to understand that. Now there's a second issue. That's, but that's not what Klal Yisrael has especially in mind. The name Yudke Vavke, more than anything else, means existence. To be. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everything. It's not sort of mentally we imagine this big universe and the most powerful being pulling the strings. No. Whatever there is in the world is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Duran says this in the Drushes, and it, it's a very, very, it's a, a, a extraordinary point. I, I read it, just those words that are um, important. V'nichlal b'tshuva azos iyun dak mi'chachma. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was answering Moshe Rabbeinu on an extraordinarily fine point in the understanding of what the divine is. And he says that by a person, there is not possible to say someone did that which is not. If something is missing, it's because I didn't do it. Not because I did it. It's true about everybody. About humans. Hashem Yisbarach just like a Baruch Hu is the reason for what there is in the world, Akadosh Baruch Hu is the reason for what there is not. That which is not in the world, Akadosh Baruch Hu made the nothingness as well. If we need a muscle, it's the muscle I just gave you. When I don't paint my basement, when there's a part of the house that's empty, it's because of a lack of activity. I was negligent, I didn't have the money, I didn't have the time, etc. When, 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 the, when, when, a, when a, a museum that, that is all-encompassing, every square inch of this museum has been thought out and planned, what's not there has been put there. In other words, I've left this spot empty. I made an empty spot for whatever reason I wanted over here. So when we perceive a Baruch as a Lokim, we only deal with what is there. When we perceive a Baruch Hu as Yudke Vavke, we, everything in the world, what's not there, is also there. And let's read it back the way the Ran reads it in the Pasuk with, with, with the explanation that he gave. Moshe Rabbeinu asked a Baruch Hu. He said, okay, you want me to go be a Navi, and you want me to speak to Kal Yisrael, and... I'm missing a tool. I understand this in your, in your hands, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He wasn't lacking a Muna. The hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has the power to endow you with speech, to endow you with sight, and etc. Give me, give me speech. I'm, I'm missing speech, or whatever. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, Emuna is now switching to Havaya. I don't endow people only with sight. I endow them with blindness as well. Sometimes a person needs the blindness. You, my Shrabbeinu, I gave illness. I gave you being dumb because that's the tool that you're going to need. We, we have the Ran's explanation for it. In this case, we have to know why it's like that. But the Ran says, I need a person who mumbles to, to, to carry the fire Hashem. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, this is where he says it, Vayom Hashem Elav, Misom Pele Adam. Who gave a mouth? Who gave a person dumbness, or cheresh, or deafness, or pikeach, or sight, or even blindness? Hello, Anochi Havaya. 
we're now going to start looking at the world through the perspective of Avaya. What there is not in the world, there also is through Akarish Baruch There's an extraordinary, um, extraordinary turn of Lushen, which is very fascinating Lushen Kodesh. As everything Lushen Kodesh is always kind of geared for, for extreme diuk. Uh, there, there, um, there are two words, Yesh and En. The, the, um, the, the, yesh means there is, and means there is not. We can't ever have a term and yesh together. It's like, when we were kids, I don't know if they still have it, they used to have this cute pun on, yes, we have no bananas. I don't know, those of a certain age and above, well, have you no bananas? Yes, we have no bananas. Uh, and, you know, you can't take ain and yesh together in a sense. It doesn't make sense. If someone asks you, yesh uh, lecha'et, do you have a pen? And the person can answer, yesh, yeshli or enli. You can't say enli, en yeshli or yesh enli. It doesn't mean anything. Rishonim actually, Kadmonim Ramchal actually frequently does use those words together. But there's one place in the Pasuk that the Pasuk puts them together. Um, for those who come on time Shabbos morning to say, Oh, Pesuk de Zimra, we say, Ein yesh ruach befihem. There is no, there is ruach befihem. What does that mean? Like, why did you say, Ein ruach befihem? That's that, I mean, what's Ein yesh ruach befihem? So the answer is as follows. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu leaves a vacuum, that vacuum is, exists. Like we said, this Ilmos is a power. Ivrus is a power. N is a state of being. There's one place where it's not. Avodazura is an illusion. Ein Yeshua Pafiyam means it's not a state of not. It is an illusion. The Yesh is N. N Yeshua Pafiyam. It is an illusion. It's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates a vacuum in the Bria, that vacuum is, it's a positive creation. It's done something. When it's not, then the Pshad is that, uh, then, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it there. When Avodah is something that has no Yeshus whatsoever. Everything else in the Bria has Yeshus as well. The, the, the um, it, it's interesting also, the Balaturim over here says that the uh, the Balaturim says that Tohu Vavohu are both are both uh, gematria. The word Tohu is a gematria for eleven, and that's connected the years that the first base of Mitzvah was up, and then what became Chara Vavohu is is, is Miramis, He has a pasuk for the churm of of the Bayesheni. Because of Tohu and Vohu are both Miramis on the on the Churbanis um, of Bayesheni and Bayesheni. I think what he means to say is that Tohu Vavohu means it's an emptiness. Just like Rashi says, it's an emptiness which arouses wonder. It's not the Pshat. Today we don't have a Beis Hamikdash. We're lacking Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash is Charev. As we every time we look at the Mokom Hamikdash, Akharish Baruch Hu is saying no. It's not he's not talking. He's saying no, and that's a certain expression of Hash. It's, it's an expression Akharish Baruch Hu. Akharish Baruch Hu. The Beis Hamikdash is the Mokom Hamikdash. When it doesn't have it, it arouses astonishment. The same way, like Rashi says, when you have an empty world. 
we look at the Magam Middash, we don't say, well, there happened to be a war 2,000 years ago, um, it, it was destroyed by some Middash, there's been a lot of politics since then, and we haven't been able to get permits to rebuild it, and that's why it's up there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not building it. There's a certain projection of a message, of, 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 of a positive message, not positive in the sense that it's good, but it's, it's, it, is saying something. Micha mocha be'il mashem, micha mocha be'il mashem. Baruch Hu speaks from illness as well. It's a positive message. I'd like to bring it over, transfer it over to, like we said before, to deal with Hashem and Kim on theological, mystical levels. It's very nice, but it doesn't do all that much good for us. I'd like to translate it into, into terms that are meaningful to us in, in some ways. We think of ourselves as believers because when things are not good, we know that the good comes from Hashem, Baruch gives us Parnas, Baruch gives us Seichel, gives us Refua, and so on and so forth. That, we feel very good about it. With Maminim, and we trust, and if... HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Hashem Le'yishmeir Shav Shakat Shomer HaKadosh Baruch Hu without HaKadosh Baruch Hu we don't have it that's the way we believe on a religious way it's, a, it's fine it's good for almost all of them it's not enough for us in Klai Yisrael a person has um, a life of accomplishments and goals and challenges and he thinks that the following if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives me the tools, great. If not, what can I do? How do we know what the tools are? Um, people who build yeshivas and, and, and so on, a lot of times say, well, to build a yeshiva I need a budget of X, Y, or Z. If I don't have it, what can I do? HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want I didn't have Tzat Sometimes, when you see a place that's being miskayim by Mesiris Nefesh, it makes a much more profound impact than, than, than a place where everything is Gishmir. We don't know. We, 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 it's not up to us. But we have to start looking at things that are lacking, not as absence. HaKadosh Baruch gave me these tools. And sometimes what I don't have is a tool. I look around in a yeshiva setting. Um, I've grown up in yeshivas most of my life. I, I started the mayor when I was a young boy and uh, been in Mekomosh Torah. You ask yourself, who can be much on somebody else to learn? Sometimes you say, a big ilu, you know, call it kula and splashes you with shots and posts him all over and knows everything everywhere is mashpia. In some ways, it's mashpia. You have somebody who's a very middle politician and he works very hard at getting down piece by piece. And he says to himself, if only I had that brain and I was such an ilui, I could be a shpian every time. Is it true? Sometimes the gear that that person has to have radiates to other people and says, this is the shivas of Torah. I have a friend of mine, um, you might know him because you might read it, Jonathan Rosenblum, um, who writes a lot, a lot of columns. He came from, he went to Yale, um, he went to a very prestigious law school in Chicago, I forgot the name. He graduated second in his class. His family one of, was one of the great wealthy uh, reform families in Chicago. And he became a Balchuva somewhere before I knew him. And sometime, at one point there was a confrontation with somebody else in Chicago, and the person asked him, how did you become from? Why did you become from? He said he had a friend of his, friends no longer, Gedalia Orndlich, I think his name was, um, who was um, in Oxford. 
and he knew a half a dozen languages, class languages. Brilliant, brilliant person. He became he he became Al was sitting and learning the yeshiva. He had six children in two rooms, and he took in a Down syndrome child to support himself. In other words, the government gave something for foster care. And he said, when I saw that, I said, I don't know what this is, but if it's worth living like that for Torah, there must be something to it. We would think, yeah, if I have a nice apartment, I introduce somebody, this is the Torah world, I have an eight-apartment, eight-room apartment, and this and that. The other thing, it'll make a good impression. If you come into two cramped rooms with the Down syndrome child also there, um, you say to yourself, how do you know? Maybe that's the tool. There's a beautiful Maestro they have, um, he wrote, like, sort of, I, what's, what's the right word for it? Um, he, he sort of scribbled, uh, doodled a little, a little note to himself when he was young Bacher. And it's printed in the Chmichtam in Igris. He says, I have two friends. One of them says to me, whenever I knock upstairs, nobody's home. I got to know him a little bit, Rav the writes, and I realized he's a shallow person. The second half of mine once remarked to me, whenever I knock upstairs, they run to hide from me. He said, I got to know that person, and there's a lot of depth to him. We have to understand that when we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, means we inherit everything in the universe as a positive action. Kaddish doesn't leave out anything. There are no unpainted corners. There are, there are corners that have been not painted. But there are not unpainted corners. Wherever you go through life, every single person of us has a tough kid in life. Every single person of us is going to have tools and things that Kaddish Baruch Hu gave you. And we're going to have things that we're missing. And a lot of times we're going to try to excuse ourselves that we're not doing because what we don't have. And on that, Muna in Hawaii is... Is, is, is the determining factor. Kadesh Baruch Hu tells us, Misom Pele Adam, O Miyosum Ilayim, Oicherish, Oipekecho, Iva, Halo, Nochi, Havaya. If I Kadesh Baruch Hu is Havaya, then what we have or we don't have are equally given to us. Just like we have to think about what we have, why we have it, we have to understand why we don't have what we don't have, like the Bria that you wonder at its emptiness. Now when a person lives with that, he, he lacks nothing. He has everything. Because sometimes poverty is what he needs. And sometimes it's, it's a struggle with understanding what he needs. And sometimes it's a struggle with other people's what's needed. Everything in the world is a positive tool of HaKadosh Baruch because of Noichi Havai. What do I think about the Yeshiva? What do I, what do I, I don't know. Want something about the Yeshiva? Or if anybody wants to, to, say, to speak to me or whatever, it's fine. I, you know, open to... What about the shmooz? That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I just, if you can email me,